1: Yeah. Guys, you'll never guess what my psychic guru just told me. S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. SIMULTV.com Exactly. Are you guys psychic too? Of course. We all know about SIMULTV.com SIMULTV.com
0: Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka
2: Hello, dear friends, and welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show, where we share innovative thoughts and explore deepening truth in the support of the path to unity and enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiyeka. This hour, we'll be looking at shadow dancing, evolving into wholeness. We all live with challenges. It seems to be universal. Life dishes out bumps and bruises to all of us. When we're overwhelmed, we often disconnect from the part of ourselves that, at the time, can't cope in order to go on. These abandoned parts comprise our shadow or forgotten self that we avoid at all costs in order to protect ourselves from re-injury. Yet within this shadow lies our greatest gifts, gifts that can not only be reclaimed, but are much enhanced for having been impacted and healed from the original, seemingly negative experience. How do we uncover and integrate our shadow in order to find the treasures therein? Can embracing our shadow support us on our evolutionary path? With us this hour to investigate the shadow is Abdi Assad. Abdi is the author of Shadows on the Path, a spiritual counselor and acupuncturist in his 33rd year of clinical practice in New York City. His work centers on helping his clients use their disease and dysfunction as a doorway to spiritual serenity. He studied Chinese, Japanese, and Vietnamese acupuncture, body-centered psychotherapy, martial arts, shamanic practices, and diverse meditative techniques. His website, com. That's A-B-D-I-A-S-S-A-D-I dot com. Abdi, thanks for joining us on Mission Evolution.
3: My pleasure. Nice to be here.
2: Yeah. Uh, What's your education in psychotherapy?
3: Uh, My background is uh, body-centered psychotherapy, uh, Neurikean work, and also three years working with different Jungian analysts in my 20s, which is where the shadow work sort of started for me um, both internally and also working with um, my patients
2: new is a very interesting form i was trained in it as well um, that's where you mm-hmm. access uh, negative emotions that have been stored in the body is that correct
3: that's correct and that's i think one of the missing points in our culture because we're so head heavy um, accessing the body you know the body is a couple of million years old evolutionarily speaking and our minds and our brains the way we use them are only a couple hundred years old. So that's a really powerful way of um, bridging that gap between the body and the mind by going through it through the body. Um, Our culture tends to be way more head-heavy and disconnected from the physical body.
2: And we've built defense mechanisms around that so that there's places we just don't go that we can actually find in the body. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, and I love what you said. So a part of you know, the shadow work, which we'll talk about, you know, there's all these negative connotations. What we usually don't uh, appreciate culturally is how much actually positive creative energies are trapped in it. So we, when we suppress these energies, and as you said, there's a lot of positive um, energies that can be used for healing, for creativity, for feeling more alive. So it's not a free thing when we suppress these things. So these defense mechanisms that you so aptly describe really affect us negatively in way more ways than just um, ill health or not being creative. We actually lose our vitality and our ability to be in life fully.
2: What's the mechanism behind that now? If we've kind of disconnected from part of ourselves, how does that, how does that impact our health?
3: Well, let's back up here a second. So the, the term shadow is a metaphor which is articulated by uh, Carl Jung, the, the Swiss uh, psychiatrist, at the beginning of last century. So what he started realizing with people was that um, families have this, cultures have this, societies have this, where certain aspects of our personality are accepted and certain things are taboo. So let's take, for example, something more similar to our culture, familiar to us as healers, for example, or as people of a New Age movement, we're supposed to be nice right? So nice is accepted, but then if we're angry or if we're sad, that's not something that's accepted readily anyway. So the mechanism is that when you are small or I'm small and, you know, we have an anger outbreak, our parents or our spiritual community kind of looks down and says, hey, that's not okay. We, We don't want you to do that. You know, you're supposed to be nice. So then we repress that energy. There's a couple of problems with that. One of it is, as we spoke about, you actually end up, Losing creative energy Because that energy is a part of your life It's like you can't cut a hand off And have two hands When you cut one hand off You only have one And it's very similar and as violent as that But the other part is that It takes tremendous amount of energy To actually keep that piece locked in there So it's not free So there's vitality of the body-mind That actually becomes reduced There's actually inability to fully engage with life Because there's less energy going on so if you have $100 a day, depending on how much shadows that you repress, you can spend up to $30, $40 of that um, to repress it. And then energetically, you only have $50 or $60 to spend that day. It's literally that dramatic.
2: It's amazing, and we all suffer from it, don't we?
3: Very much so. Um, and all we need to do is just look around the planet and see how it goes. I mean, again, there's a cultural piece of it. It's profound in different communities. It's profound in politics. You know, it's sometimes easier to see on a cultural level than personally because it's the unconscious, and we can talk about that. But it gets um, projected out, these aspects that we don't um, really accept in ourselves or repress in ourselves. We tend to project it out on others, and that's where you have all these really intense social ills like racism, like sexism. We take aspects of ourselves that we have repressed, and we actually project it onto other people and then judge it in them.
2: So we're taking all of our, not all of our, but a good portion of our personal power and taking it offline and using it to polarize against other.
3: I love what you're saying. So that's, that's such a wonderful way of saying it. It's actually taking it offline. That's, that's actually really wonderful um, because it, it, we don't have access to it. So once we repress this, it's not like, well, Abigail they can take this for a second and then bring it out and put it back. And once it goes into this locked mode, it literally goes offline. So, depending on what percentage of our vitality that is connected to, that's offline to us. Till we do the deep work, which is can be, but is usually more psychological than spiritual. Although spiritual work can point us to it, and then we we'll bring it back online to access it again. But it, we pay for it very dearly, just in terms of vitality, just in terms of what it does to our personal relationships, and certainly what it does to us as a social organism.
2: Let's go back to the body for a little bit. What impact does using the body as a storage house for these denied parts have on our physical health?
3: So if we look at it from an energetic perspective, let's say an acupuncture perspective, the body is like a battery in some ways. And then when we um, remove these aspects of ourselves and then lock it into our physical body, we can actually start getting illnesses. So there's not enough energy flowing through. But if the energy flowing through is a bit of a wishy-washy thing for people who might not be connected energetically we can literally get physiological symptoms things like migraines things like digestive disorders things that can be functional initially functional being that they're not organically um, ingrained in the body yet so something like irritable bowel syndrome where you actually have organic symptoms that's at one extreme, but you know, many people that I treat have constant headaches, have migraines, have a big times of fatigue in the day, which is not just related to their poor diet, they might be eating perfectly, it's not related to meditation. They might be meditating for an hour a day. But there's actually aspects of themselves that's just not functioning properly. So we can have real clinical symptoms from these kinds of repressions very common thing, it's very interesting when you see children who go through a traumatic experience at a young age, Um, they can and they tend to get two symptoms, which in Chinese medicine makes sense. One is asthma and one is constipation. In Chinese medicine, for example, we connect the lung and the large intestine energetically and different organ systems are oriented towards and also damaged by certain emotions. So grief tends to be an emotion that will give you that kind of injury. So that's something common that one sees in young children that go through a traumatic divorce of their parents. They will actually manifest that in their body. But that's just the physiological part. Now let's say there's something going on in that divorce and that kid is having some emotional outburst as a child would. One parent or the other could say, hey, Gilda, you cannot feel like that. That makes me uncomfortable when you get sad. So then what you do as an adult is you never show your grief. You repress it. And then you can actually have specific body symptoms like your digestion being off or your lungs being off.
2: Well, it sounds to me like that th- you could also track it backwards. In other words, take a look at what's taking place in the body and you can kind of do a detective
3: job and backtrack to what the trauma was. Beautiful. Absolutely. Very much so. And one of the things, I mean, you know this from your own shamanic work, when one acts as the body, Um, The body, again, it's it's very profound. We don't appreciate this because we're such head-centered people. The body is millions of years old. It does not lie. The mind is a master liar in that it can manipulate information to, you know, with all these psychological forces, which we'll talk about, that are repressed. The body does not lie. So if I do some body work on you, whichever way I access you, deep massage, acupuncture, shiatsu, reiki, People have all kinds of emotional outbursts or feelings, subtle or otherwise, which is the repressed energies that were trapped in the body. That's the gift of the body, and that we can actually access the psyche, as you said beautifully, in this sort of reverse um, understanding of what happened, where the injury or insult started originally.
2: Well, we'll have to pick up on this on the other side of a commercial break. Abdi and I will return shortly, so don't you folks go away. You're listening to the Mission Evolution Radio Show. We're coming to you on the X Zone Broadcast Network, www.xedbn.net.
0: Exon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell visit www.exoneradiotv.com or www.exontvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net.
2: Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution radio show, we're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. To stay abreast of all the wonderful information and tools we have to offer, visit our website missionevolution.org. I'm your host Golda Wiyecka and our special guest this hour is ours Abdi Asad. Excuse me, Abdi Asadi. His website abdiasadi.com. Abdi, you mentioned something earlier I'd like to go into a little further. And you're talking about staying connected energetically. What do you mean by that and how do we connect?
3: Well, one of the things that happens from this original emotional insult that happens to all of us is that we leave our bodies and we become head-centered. So we pay attention to our thinking mind as opposed to our physical body. You can see this with uh, all of us as uh, newborns. We breathe abdominally nice and deep with these round bellies. And depending on how uncomfortable our emotional life is, Between the ages of two to four, we stop breathing abdominally and we start breathing very shallow, which is the way most people who are listening to us right now are breathing, right in their chest as opposed to their belly. This is one of the first ways that we actually, quote-unquote, leave our bodies. So we totally are in our heads, behind our eyes, between our ears, without an awareness of our bodies. And with the advent of all these electronic tools that we all use, are computers and iPads and iPhones, we're not really present in our physical body. So we all pay very dearly for this. I mean, first and foremost, our bodies can distinguish between thought and reality. So where me and you are reading our news on our little handheld device for the first two hours of the day, our body energetically, chemically, neuropeptide-wise, goes through all those things, and we pay very dearly for it. So one of the ways that I've discovered through my work It's just to get people to feel their bodies. So as we are talking right now, I would say to whoever is listening, just drop their awareness of their breathing. Take it from their chest and drop it into their belly. Be aware of their hands, wherever they are, if they're working, if they're driving, if they're sitting. Just realize, like, oh, they're my hands. I wasn't aware of them. Then further down, be aware of their hips. Be aware of their thighs, their calves, their shin bones, and finally feel their feet. So kinesthetically, having awareness of our physical body is how we energetically connect with it. This is not as simple as it sounds because most of us have an underlying anxiety. It's just the nature of this realm. So we jump right back up into our head. We go right back up to the top floor and leave the ground floor empty. That's most of our experiences. So just a kinesthetic awareness, which so many different paths try to show to us, whether it's yoga, martial arts, so many shamanic practices. The dancing is to pull us into our physical body. The drumming is to pull us into our physical body, not just to be these disembodied bodies walking around with these heads running the show.
2: Well, you said something very interesting <laughs> just a little bit ago, and you and, and I want to make sure I understood it. Mm-hmm. Um, you said something about all these things impact our body. So in other words, if we're listening to negative news and this and that, is our body literally going through the trauma, but we're unaware of it because we're not present with it?
3: Absolutely. And this is one of the things that I always tell my patients. It's very important to keep informed. This is not about putting our head underneath the sand. But there's an element also here where we actually get into an aspect what i what is called negative pleasure, we actually take pleasure on an unconscious level from the negativity and that it puts us in a form of control. it can be a familiar pattern from our childhood We absolutely the body this is undeceivable scientific fact the body cannot distinguish between thought and reality if i'm sitting there and just listening to this and my blood's boiling and i 'm getting angry and Chemically, there is absolute changes in your blood chemistry. You cannot deny that. If I tell you try to relax, oxymoron, how can we try to relax? What I've found is if I get you to feel your body, to bring your awareness in your physical body, that actually acts as a buffer between all the negativity that's coming in. And ideally, one wants to balance this. So yes, listen to the news. But if you find yourself getting worked up too much, if you find yourself getting really riled up, you need to actually back off. Because now you're actually paying for it. This is not free. And you're actually paying for it with your life force.
2: It's a question of balance, too, isn't it? Um, You know, if we expose ourselves to nothing but negativity pretty soon, (laughs) there you have it, right?
3: Very much so. And one of the things that also we don't appreciate is most of us have actually some form of negative loop that runs through our, our mind unconsciously, which is also where the shadow work is very helpful. So many of us actually will worry about things incessantly as a form of control of not sitting with what is. I mean, it's very easy and nice to say, oh, surrender, be in the moment. It's quite not as easy as it sounds because most of us have this, not comfort, but discomfort actually, but also a feeling of not safety with what is. So that's something that takes many years of practice. And one can actually do all kinds of meditations and still not touch it. So this simple act of sitting with and being in the moment, like every spiritual lineage tells us, lovely words. It takes quite a bit of work to actually be able to do that on a daily level.
2: How much do you think projecting our shadow, you know, finding something negative in the news or whatever, to project Mm -hmm. our shadow or feeling of angst on is the whole point that's driving all this false information and negative media?
3: That's a beautiful question, 110%. 110% and one of the things about the shadow, right, it's such an ominous word, um, we don't really appreciate is that it has real consequences, right? So when you look at what's going on culturally, not taking sides, you know, if you are a Democrat, if you're a Republican, it's not easy to see that when we say blah, 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 these people, the second you say these people, you have one finger pointing, and as the old 12-step adage goes, when you have one finger pointing one way, you have three fingers pointing back at you, Truly, the projection is a real thing that costs lives. I mean, it leads to violence because we are so repressed. You know, you just need to look at Nazi Germany, right? So when you have a culture that wasn't dealing with this cultural shadow, that's the shadow level on a cultural level, projects it out and then decimates 8 million people. So we're not talking about just some cutesy psychological neurosis. This is a cultural hypnosis that just destroyed the world. Now, we all have that in our lives to some extent, and it's certainly active in our culture right now. But the problem with it is that we don't really appreciate it because it always becomes those people. To take it from those people to myself, as the old, again, adage goes, if you spot it, you got it, that's the work. That's the shadow work. If I'm constantly getting angry at someone of whatever ethnic minority or a certain personality, at some point by the tenth time i need to be like okay what is this in me that i haven't accepted that i'm projecting out so he has real social consequences and that is the that's the most empowering
2: that's the most empowering thing we can do really is to own what we're projecting in other words everything is about me let's be narcissistic about it but it can't be out there and i won't be noticing it unless there's some of it in here too
3: very much so and and so and it's a narcissistic part it won't be narcissistic because the narcissistic part is the aspects that we actually might or might not own this is the unpleasant stuff we throw out we don't you know there is something called the golden shadow which is a positive element that we can throw out at a person a healer or someone but that's a very small part of it the majority of it is things we haven't accepted so it will be this person's like this i hate this and this person this person's so cheap this person's so angry These are, it's very subtle, but we have to, by teasing this out, to see what aspect of ourselves. And to your point, exactly, it's the biggest give we can give our culture, especially at this juncture, where there's so much split going on outside, to own our part.
2: How much of the projection, um, we we can see what it does, you know, Mm -hmm. physically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How Mm -hmm. much, when we're projecting onto someone else, are we affecting them energetically?
3: So I'm with you 110% on that. Um, you know, you, you always have been doing shamanic work for a long time, so you have seen this in your own work. You know, it's a hard thing to sell to people or to get them to understand if they're not sensitive, very much so. To the point where, in my own experience of being a clinician, I'm very conscious of what I think about a patient when they leave um, my presence. I will send them positive energy because they will feel it. So this is, for me, a very, very real thing. So, again, wonderful point you're bringing out. It's a very real thing. You know, what we're picking up with our five senses right now in this moment is less than 3 to 5% of electromagnetic phenomena, which means 95% is unseen to the eyes. Well, the thought forms are a part of that 95%, and it has very real consequences. So, again, when all these different yogis talk about sending love, sending positivity, different Qigong masters, these are very real things that quantum physics is now starting to tap into. But in our personal lives, absolutely 110%. We can have negative effects by throwing it out. It's not just when we scream at someone. It's literally having negative thoughts.
2: It's like, if that's what's going into the soup out there, no wonder it's getting so volatile.
3: Yeah, absolutely. so, So lovely what you're saying. And this is the thing. So it's very easy to feel helpless right now. Right, And the media is designed to do that. I mean, right, fear and terror sells. So we have that part of our cultural unconscious gestalt. So people always say, I feel very helpless. Well, actually, if you actually sit back and work on that piece in yourself, there's a lot you can contribute. It's just that the invisible isn't as sexy as the visible. So that doesn't mean that we don't go and stand up for what we believe in or go on a march and speak out our truth. Absolutely. But we need both. If we're just doing it externally without healing the internal, the same thing will repeat. And that's why history constantly repeats itself. So so much of what we're going through right now, this repetition of cultural issues, is because it hasn't been healed. So whether you have you know, the racism of our culture or the sexism, this is, hasn't been healed yet. It's not just about putting a monument to it and then moving on with it. We have to actually sit down, roll our sleeves up, and truly ask that. And as you said, not in a narcissistic way, but what is my part? What is the invisible part here? When I'm so angry at someone, what am I doing? If I'm ready to kill someone because they just cut me off in traffic, what aspect of myself has to be owned?
2: <laughs> well, it's time for another short pause. We'll look at owning our stuff on the other side. Abdi and I will return to our discussion, so you stay right there. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show. We're coming to you on the Exxon Broadcasting Network, www.xzbn.net. <clears throat> Thank
3: <sighs>
2: Back. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show, MissionEvolution.org, bringing leading edge information supporting the path to enlightenment. I'm your host Gwilda Wiaka. We're speaking with Abdi Asadi. His website AbdiAsadi.com. Abdi, what you know? The shadow. The problem with it being a shadow is we don't see it. How can mm-hmm. we start to uncover it?
3: So this is a really important question. And first and foremost, we have to realize that it's the unconscious. And when we talk about the unconscious. Everyone nods their head up and down, yes, yes, you understand. But the whole way that this thing works is that we're not privy to it. We're only privy to it by the way that manifests in our lives. So the first part of it is just to start identifying aspects of ourselves that might be in our shadow self. One of the things that one will notice is that it'll come up when we're tired. We can come up with, for example, we've had a drink with things that loosen the ego. Where something comes up that's not quite in line with our vision of ourselves or what we think we should be like. So the first part of it, which is really the hardest part, is to actually first identify it. Once it's identified, then that's when we start the shadow work, which is reintegrating, owning these parts of ourselves. So let's say I might have an issue with anger, but I never get angry. And one day I have a drink after work, and then I get really angry at someone. I go, whoa, what was, where did that come from? I didn't even realize I was angry. Then I just sit down and start working with like, well, I was angry because I said yes to this. When I meant to say no, what did I say yes? Oh, because I'm a healer, I'm always supposed to be nice. Oh, I have to be real, I'm not, it's not about being nice. So by sort of doing this, as you said earlier, backtracking to seeing where these emotions come up, We can start owning first our shadow after identifying it and then actually integrating it into our body-mind. Control doesn't work, and that's something that is sort of our immediate response. We want to control these aspects of self. These will only last for a certain level because these emotions that are repressed just get darker and uglier, and they actually perforate our psyche in very unpleasant ways.
2: So, if I'm hearing you correctly, the emotions originally were just energy, but once they're suppressed, repressed, and hidden, they kind of get toxic and ugly and are dumped on the first poor person that triggers us.
3: Very much so. So, it's, uh, you know, that Scottish author, Louis Stevenson, wrote The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And that fairy tale, quote-unquote, was actually based on someone he knew uh, back, I believe, in Edinburgh, where he wrote it, which was this. French gentleman who was a school teacher that had murdered his wife, and, you know, he was a nice guy, and he came up with this whole thing based on that. Now, it doesn't mean that we become murderers, but it's actually a very astute observation that when we try to be, for example, nice, there's all these elements underneath that, as you said originally, were just energy, but when they get repressed and they don't get respected and honored, they can come out in very hideous ways. Now, it doesn't mean that we have to be a murderer, but certainly energetically, these things do come out. The more repressed they get, the more twisted they become.
2: Why are we so afraid of looking at our shadow if if really it's just made of energy?
3: Well, because the culture pieces, the masks that we wear, when things are, remember when we talk about us being young and certain aspects of us not being accepted, it sounds very easy as a grown-up to be like, well, yeah, what's the big deal? As a child... As a young child, if you don't get love, you're going to die. Remember that your feeding is totally dependent on external sources, your warmth, your cleansiness. Everything is dependent on these people taking care of you. So if at that age your parent says, hey, I don't want you to be angry, that means like you better not be angry because that's the way you're going to understand is that I'm going to die. So that's when we start making these masks that look like a happy face, even though underneath we might be boiling, and start putting them on. So it starts from trying to appease those c- taking care of us to get their love so we can survive. So it's a very loaded thing. It's not as simple as just saying, well, let's just get in here and work with it. There's going to be a lot of resistance because the memory is this has worked for me for 10 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. I can just, I'm can't. i just not going to change this. So then we have these masks that we all wear and we paint them all pretty, but underneath we're actually all suffering.
2: Is there a way... Um to, to uh, start moving energy through the physical body? Is that some of the practices that you've studied to start accessing these places?
3: Well, here's the thing. So I have tried doing that. This is where the split between psychology and um, spirituality comes in. There's actually a very big difference between doing spiritual work or doing you know, energetic work and doing psychological work. We do need to do psychological work to go to the next level with this kind of energy it's not just moving energy by moving energy we can become aware of certain repressed emotions but we still have to do the psychological work around it to reintegrate it
2: so we have to work on all four levels physical mental emotional
3: spiritual beautiful yes and that's sort of part of the problem because for myself as someone who's been in spiritual communities since a very young age which is what actually brought me to 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 studying and understanding um, this aspect of the psyche was that I didn't really find any of these cultures um, addressed it. And remember a lot of where our past sort of spiritual communities come from, they're Eastern in nature, which are not from hyper-individuated cultures. And even the ones that are from, you know, South America, they come from different, more open cultures. We're hyper-individuated, especially as Americans, as Europeans. So we need to bring that piece in, which is a psychological, into our spiritual process.
2: And yet psychological can be really stay heady if you're not careful, can't it?
3: Very much so. Very much so. I and mean, we actually need both. I mean, one of the problems with so much of psychological work is that it's actually missing in the spiritual. We, we need both of it, but very much so. So I'm, I'm with you 110% on that.
2: How do you see doing shadow work as aiding our evolution as human beings?
3: oh, I feel we're repeating history over and over till we do the shadow work. So when you look at the things that's going on right now, I mean, just simple things like the sexism, right? Like you have this male-dominated culture that's repressing, you know, half half the population. That is shadow. That's, that's the projection. You know, men are supposed to be like this. Women are supposed to be like that. Um, all our racial issues, all the racism, like we're not going to survive as a communal global culture unless we address the shadow these are real things Right? this repetitive wars this this all this craziness is because we're not owning that and then we project it on the other i mean all the stuff that's going on for example right now with immigrants quote unquote. that's oh my god the scary word what does that even mean it's all aspects of ourselves that we don't accept we project it on someone else and then we want to destroy it in that person this is the part where We will not evolve unless we actually sit down, understand the unconscious is a real thing. It needs to be understood. It can't be punked. It actually needs to be wrestled with and integrated. And that opens up so much vitality and so much joy, really, because we really suffer when we repress these emotions.
2: Just the judgment against them is a bit of a lie, and the body tells the truth. How can we start to access or tell the difference by listening to our body, as you suggested? Well,
3: yeah, this is so beautiful what you just said. So I'm such a big fan of that. One of the things that we all know, we've all had this experience where we will be in a business situation, where we'll date someone, and the second we meet someone, our body is like, ah, oh, either like, ah, oh, great, or ah, oh, that's terrible. And then our mind will go into a story. Oh, I love this person, they're so wonderful. Again, the body is 2 million years old, so it will tell you immediately what's up. Now, this is also true when you go to a healer or a doctor. Your initial hit is like, oh, great, I trust this woman. Uh, I don't really trust this man. The whole point of what we started initially of feeling the body, of dropping into the physical body, that is going to give you the 2 million-year-old jump on the 200-year-old mind. So if we sit with, if we learn to tolerate the anxiety that we all feel unconsciously, different degrees, obviously, if we learn to tolerate that and then from that learn to be more body centered by just the way that we started our conversation of feeling the hands, feeling the feet, you can then actually access that truth in your physical structure, in your body, and that that can inform your activities going forward. So then we actually marry the body and the mind, but actually started with being physically attuned to the physical structure.
2: You know, I, I grew up around a lot of uh, police officers and cops and detectives, and mm, they mm. all talk about, I got that feeling in my gut, <laughs> you yes, know. Yeah, it, my mind doesn't tell me anything, but I've got that feeling in my gut. Is, is that what you're talking about, the kind of messages that we get physically?
3: I, I love what you just said. So the so, so funny thing is I actually do the same thing. So I treat a lot of cops, a lot of friends, cops, and I treat a lot of uh, veterans, military people. And then when mm-hmm. you talk to them, so many times their lives were saved where somebody would say to, them, say to them something, some some you know officer would tell them, hey, go do this, and their gut was like, man, just keep your head down. Hey, just sit here for five more seconds. Now, this is very important. We have the same neuropeptides. Actually, our gut was our original brain. So we have the same neuropeptides in our gut that later on actually formed our brain. So the gut is the original brain. For a lot of people, it's like, well, the gut, that sounds stupid. It's like, no, 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 no. The gut actually was our brain. So we have a brain in our physical body. The gut feeling will always lead you correct if you learn to listen to it. But if you're head heavy, listening to the new brain as opposed to the old brain, it takes some doing because for most of us we can be so disconnected, we don't know our gut feeling. Once we start attuning to it, and that's the gift of all these wonderful practices, then that's totally a wonderful tool to use. And when the world is changing as fast as it is now, I find it's indispensable actually be able to listen to our gut so the gut thing is huge it's actually exactly what we're talking about
2: and it seems like uh, you know there's so many lies around us because of all the projection can the gut and we have about 30 seconds here can the gut Mm -hmm. keep us from lying to ourselves
3: very much so because you will know and it will either physically (laughs) tell you when you actually get stomach issues or gut issues or it actually feels right so in the last last 10 seconds i would say make friends with your body make friends with your gut with yourself a couple of minutes every day. Just learn how to listen to what that gut's trying to tell you.
2: Oh boy, we sure need the guidance right now, and we'll pick up on how we can find guidance during these changing times by integrating our shadow and listening to our body. We need to take another quick break. Abdi and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Mission Evolution radio show on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Path Home Shamanic Art School has just launched a new online series of classes, Galactic Shamanism, Art of the Ancients, Key to Tomorrow. In these classes composed and taught by Path Home founder and director Gwilda Wiecka, you'll learn practical shamanic skills to support your daily life, such as, how to build a medicine wheel to access the power of the earth, perform a shamanic journey, create sacred space in which to live and work, Empower your life with totem animals, elementals, and fairy folk, and learn the art of accurately reading signs and omens. These tried and true skills are the key to living a powerful, productive life. Visit us at findyourpathhome.com to see the ever-growing collection of classes and leading edge information to support you during these times of uncertainty and transition. All can be found at findyourpathhome.com.
0: Get both the book and the DVD—a forty-dollar value for only nineteen dollars ninety-nine cents. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net.
2: Welcome back. This is the Mission Evolution Radio Show, bringing together gifted people of service to our world. I'm your host, Gwelda Wiecka. I always love to hear from my listeners. You can email me at info at and suggest a topic or a guest that's on your mind. In fact, Abdi was recommended to us by one of our listeners, and I'm certainly enjoying it. Our guest this hour is Abdi Asadi, his website, abdiasadi.com. Abdi, what's going on in the world right now that is making this shadow work, you know, everything's moving faster. What, what's causing all this that's making it so paramount that we do engage in the shadow work?
3: Well I feel like the connection we have, the extra uber fast connection with all these electronic devices and the internet, which is really wonderful. I feel that's an invitation from the Gestalt, the Gaia, to actually for all of us to unite. But also that really reveals and speeds up all these unconscious energies in all of us that needs to be healed. So I do see it as an invitation. But any system is really defined by the amount of energy and information that runs through it. And for most of us, I mean, those of us my age or your age, you know, 50, 60 is what we've been around for a while. It's incredible just even in the last 10, 15 years how much more information is running through our lives on a daily level than it was 20 years ago. So that has speeded things up. But this has, you know, two effects. One is that it can actually be used as a way of disconnecting from ourselves more. But it can also be an invitation to unite and really to look inside more. So there's more room to project this stuff up because we're way more connected.
2: It it seems like we're rattling apart in all the places that we are not connected with ourselves because we have shadow standing between us and, and that connection. So it seems like there's more pressure on the shadow now than ever before. Are you experiencing that?
3: Well, I, I am and every person that I treat is experiencing that. I mean, literally right now, there's so many ruptures in personal relationships as we are seeing within countries, as we're seeing within the planet itself. We have to really wake up, and part of the waking up process is to really examine what part of us wants to stay asleep. So we all need to really examine what masks are we, you know, wearing. Especially those of us in the spiritual community, we need to really pay attention to where are the issues we haven't dealt with that we've, you know, pushed under the rug through, you know, our spiritual practices. It's very common for me to see people who do any kind of practice, martial arts, yoga, meditation, shamanic practices, psychedelic experiences, to actually not deal with their shadow, to actually go to the higher ground because it's so painful. So we all need to walk down from the top floor, kind of go in the basement, kind of clean up our basements a little bit, and that will be our part, our gift to what's being birthed on this planet right now.
2: You know, that's one of the problems that I see in the, the New Age culture, is people mm-hmm. tend to... Um, um, rise above things and uh, kind of leave stuff in the basement a mess and then, you know, go to what they consider a higher place or from this practice to that practice without ever delving deep enough into any of them to get into the shadow work. When did that get lost?
3: Well, I mean, this is huge for me, someone who's had a similar background to you in terms of shamanic work and working with native energies. It's amazing how, is what I was saying earlier, the hyper individuation in our culture has actually part of the problem. Because and that's part of the gift. We had to really pull back from our oneness, the absolute, and this is the invitation to go back in. But we need to clean these things up as we go in. Part of it is the hyper individuation. And part of it, you know, the the problem with the new A G piece is exactly what you're saying. You know, even when you look at meditations, most meditations about going up and then going out. So the seven chakra, the seventh is on top. So we have this Um, allergy to being in our bodies. We want to get the hell out of here. But it's actually through the body that we're going to have salvation. It's not dumping the body because the mind is attached to a body and the body actually is way more informing it than we realize. So we have to understand we're really walking around unconsciously and all we need to do if we don't believe that is take a look out our window and see how we're treating each other and treating the planet.
2: You know, I had an interesting epiphany the other day, um, and we've been talking about the physical body, but we also have an energetic body. The physical body, of course, generates the uh, electromagnetic body and vice versa. But we communicate to each other and the world at large through our electromagnetic body. Doesn't the shadow also block up the electromagnetic body and isn't clearing that up going to be the path to unity?
3: I love that. Absolutely. Absolutely, because it really is all one. And remember, it takes a tremendous amount of energy physiologically to hold the shadow down. It's a prison. It's not like free storage. So we take these aspects. They, they want to get out. So, so for, for us to throw them in, we have to actually use a lot of energy, A, to rip it from us, throw it into this jail, lock it, and then stand the guard so it doesn't escape out. So it takes a tremendous amount of just energy to repress these things. Forget about all the facts that they get more twisted and come out more twisted. So for that flow of energy, what we feel around others who are in that state, it's very real because that energy is flowing. So just a simple fact that it takes tremendous amount of physical energy to repress these elements is a good enough reason to start delving in there and starting to reintegrate these aspects of ourselves.
2: How does guilt and judgment play in the shadow work?
3: Uh, so the judgment piece, well, the guilt is very interesting, right? Guilt is a human-made emotion to make us behave a certain way right, like grief is an emotion, anger, these are... Guilt is actually human-made. It's a cultural thing that was designed so we would basically toe the line and certain taboos that culture didn't accept. You know, boys don't cry, girls don't pick up a sword, whatever that element is. The judgment piece is the part where we actually, what we can't accept in ourselves. Oh, you know, I was told not to cry as a boy. That's terrible, I can't cry. So if I see someone, if I see a man crying... I go crazy. Look at you, you're so weak. Why are you crying? So the judgment piece is always very foretelling of what has not been accepted in myself. I cannot be comfortable with someone's behavior, but when I get angry at it, when I actually physically judge it, you can be sure that there's an aspect in oneself that hasn't been accepted.
2: Do other people or systems actually control us through our shadows at this point?
3: Well, very much so, because if we are, because remember, the, sh- the shadow pieces, also cultures have their shadows, not personalities. So with all the, for example, the racism, the sexism, like politics is very much all around the world, will use these repressed shadows and then we'll project it will be projected communally. You look at all these wars, look at the Rwanda, for example, where, you know, people get murdered with this stuff, because what happens, one group will project its communal shadow on the other, the other will do the same, and then there will be a civil war. This is like the oldest trick in the book on how politics will actually manipulate people using these repressed shadows and then y- picking up someone, whoever you have, and projecting it on them and then getting the whole communal populace attacking them. So this is the oldest unfortunate trick in the book.
2: It seems like we're being controlled by the media and advertising and the internet yes. and all yes. that stuff through our shadows as well.
3: Absolutely, and it's, you know, it's big business and this is the part that we have to understand just like fear is big business. So again, it's not about us becoming Luddites and not using the Internet or the news, but we have to do it more judiciously. We have to really pay attention to where we're being manipulated because we're all being manipulated. And this is regardless of what country what one lives in or what one's political persuasion is, we are all guilty of this in the fact that we are not looking at aspects that we need to look inside ourselves.
2: Can engaging in shadow work be destabilizing?
3: Absolutely, and that's why it really needs to be done With someone who knows what they're doing and in a judicious way because just for example this is a common thing with psychedelics people can take psychedelics and all kinds of emotions come out or people can have a divorce or a breakup and they actually can become unwound many times that's because these aspects of the shadow that were repressed before just had a chance to break out of jail and they can you know basically come wreak havoc in our lives so it needs to be done consciously, it needs to be done with compassion, and certainly with the help of someone who knows what they're doing. You know, many shamans, without using the word shadow, were masters, are masters in learning how to work with this. But because we're such hyper-individuated people, sometimes we actually need the psychotherapy end of things um, to work with someone. And remember, some of us have way more shadows than others, so this also depends you know, how much early childhood wounding we have.
2: Are there some people that simply should not do shadow work?
3: Oh, not at all. I feel like everyone, anyone will um, have a lot of good yeah. energy that will come from it and have a lot of positive aspects. Just It has to be done consciously. It has to be done in a manner that's respectable to that original wounded child. But it only brings positive things when it's done in an intelligent way. It will only bring positivity and vitality into your life. Never seen it any other way in 33 years.
2: What's your vision for the future? I mean, right now, you know, we're being picked up and shaken by the ankles until the change falls out of our pocket mm-hmm. by the intensity. And mm-hmm. that's possibly a good thing because what's breaking loose is our shadow. What do you see the, for the future as we do this work?
3: Well, I see it as an invitation. I see this big alarm clock that was set up by all of us before this incarnation. It's an invitation to go to the next level. Invitation has to be answered. It's not predetermined. This conversation right now is determining which way you want to go. We have to all understand that a part of us really likes the drama. It likes the pain. We have to work on not being bored with love. We have to learn how to tolerate love. We have to really learn to get bored with all this harmony. This is millions of years of being in the world. So it's an invitation. It's not pre-written. Every single person listening to our talk right now is invited to step in and do their part. And we all have very specific parts to do, all of us, every one of us. So that's an open ended question. How do we want to answer it? Let's get bored with disaster. Let's get bored with fear and let's get really excited about love.
2: <laughs> that that's a beautiful, beautiful statement. Let's get really excited about love. You know, as always, time has flown and now we're out of it. Abdi, thanks so much for coming on the show.
3: Thank you so much. This was really lovely. I appreciate your lovely questions and really nice to share time with you.
2: Lovely sharing time with you as well. And thank you for your work in the world.
3: Thank Our guest is
2: Our guest this hour has been spiritual counselor and acupuncturist, Abdi Asadi. Abdi is the author of Shadows on the Path. His website, abdiasadi.com. Remember to join our email family to stay abreast of all the exciting new things we have coming up at missionevolution.org. This has been Mission Evolution Radio Show with Wilda Weyaka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Join us next time as the mission continues bringing information, resources, and support to an evolving world.